Welcome to You Get a Rose. I'm your host, Kana W. And I'm your host, Miss J. Ike Diggs. And here we are for the world's worst episode, The Women Tell All. Specifically, this Women's Tell All, which was my least favorite thing I've ever watched. Two hours of torture. Yeah, it was particularly hard to stomach, Hannah. Yeah. It was almost like I couldn't believe they dared to play this episode with everything going on in Bachelor Nation with Chris Harrison. And it was just like, it was appalling. It was mm. grotesque to watch these women like not even refer to what any, any of the controversy that's happening in the real world and to play out these bizarre bully scenarios over and over and over again. Like they just kept going as if none of them had the ability to do any self-reflection, had no self-awareness and had not learned at all since the episode aired. Can you explain my reaction to you recounting what happened to you our listeners? like, of course, your face says like, of course that's what happened. And yes, I, it was garbage, but what did you expect? <laughs> No, it was terrible. And you're right. It's just so the drama is so overplayed, so over rehashed. And I'm, I'm just really tired of hearing about who called who a hoe, you know, who stole whose time, Mm -hmm. whose words were misconstrued and they didn't mean it. And that's not who they are. I honestly just multitask last night during the tell-all episode, and I think I got enough to be able to to chop it up with you about it today. It was hard to really pay attention to it because it felt like this thing happens. Okay, I'm not going to say, I don't want to be one of those people that's like Gen Z. Okay, I don't know if 23-year-olds, 24-year-olds, I think they're Gen Z, right? They're not millennials anymore. Right, that's right. There is something that happened on this this episode that really defines to me the problem like the problem that sticks out for Gen Z. Okay, I love Gen Zers. Like I think they're great. They're really progressive. They are more in touch with their feelings, but but they they all are oppressed in their own individual way. Mhm. Mhm. I don't want to sound like a whatever, but these women each had their moment of being like well i'm just so fill in the blank that i don't have control over my own mm-hmm. reactions or emotions mm-hmm. like watching victoria try to scramble for her sob story so that she could explain why she's an actual monster person was <laughs> downright pathetic okay you know i'm not gonna i have a different take I'm so sorry. This, do you still think Victoria is an actor, a paid actor after this? She had a poor performance last night, if that's the case. Yeah, I actually do. Like, wholeheartedly, I think she is just playing up this role of Bachelor Mean Girl. And she has taken all of the worst stereotypes of these women, all of the most horrific tropes, and put them all into one character that won't even... That instead of apologizing when caught with glaring evidence that shows that she was in fact a bully, in fact an aggressor, she does not apologize but doubles down. Yes, she really felt like that in the end Matt bullied her. <laughs> she really felt that way. Just for one moment, look at it from my perspective. I want to okay, see. Okay. 
Hold on. Right. Wait. Just do it in your head. Hold on. Okay. Okay, I'm looking. Okay. If she's a paid actor, then she did a pretty good job last night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, all right. All right. All right. I'm listening. I almost think her portrayal of this character, yep. that's what it is, yep. is it's almost like, impo- I don't know how you could play somebody mm. who has such low self-awareness mm. and such narcissism without, without having a little bit of, as an actor, I feel like you might have a little bit of natural actor commentary built in. Mm. She, is, she is almost too dumb. Like oh. The character that she's playing okay. is too dumb for me to believe it's a yeah. character. Yeah. Which I think it's, she's genuinely an idiot. Okay. Yeah, I hope I'm not offending you by saying that over and over again because <laughs> I, I really do respect your profession, all, all of your professions. Um, but, you know, again, I don't think she's a paid actress. I just think that she went into this knowing that she was going to play this role. But I, since you have um, indulged me and looked at things from my perspective, I will look at things from yours now. Um, Victoria is horribly self-unaware, as you've pointed out. She has no remorse for her really disgusting actions. And she's always the victim, even though she's always the antagonistic one but she she sees herself as the victim i think the reason i felt like this episode was such a piece of trash Mm -hmm. is because they what they spent an entire okay i'm so i'm so mad about this let let it out that's what we're here for they spent an entire season right highlighting the drama between the bullies on this show right they, we obviously skipped like four group dates. Yeah. We didn't get to see Matt fall in love with anybody. We mm. don't really believe he likes anyone at this point. His story is completely lost. We actually don't really like him that much because mm-hmm. we never got to see any part of him. We don't know anything about him. Accurate. They sacrificed, they sacrificed hundreds of hours of footage that could have showed us a different story. Yeah. So that they could ruin Brittany's life by calling her an escort. Okay. Because let's be honest. Anna called her that, but the editors kept it in. They they chose to do that. Yep. They then they chose to this. exactly. They not only. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. They not only what? Well, they not only chose to include that part of the footage, but they also played it up in the previews as if it were true. And then highlighted it in the after show. Right. And that okay, and uh, that on top of the fact that they then gave Victoria this huge platform on the show to be outrageously cruel. And then on the after show, they allowed her Mm -hmm. to stay in the side seats, to never get in the hot seat, Mm -hmm. and to consistently explain herself as the victim without ever challenging her. And that's the show they gave us. Yeah. Like, if you're going to show us a bully on the show, Mm -hmm. on any show, on the reality TV show, if you're going to show us the bully, then we are waiting for the reunion or the women tell all we're waiting for that moment so we can see their bully, the bully finally get their comeuppance right so we can see them finally realize their mistakes retribution right which is what they did to anna mm-hmm. right they they called her out and all the women yelling at her even when she's trying to talk through it 
All the women are yelling at her about how she's bad. Chris Harrison's saying she did it wrong. Britney's on the hot seat saying she did it wrong. And that they were perfectly able to do that, but not one second did they did they say to Victoria, no, you have no justification for the way you behaved. And whether you feel sad about it now has nothing to do with what you did in the moment. Like at, at nowhere, nowhere did they put her on, on blast at all. Nowhere was Serena C put on blast for her behavior. Like Kit was just left completely off the table. No one brought up the stuff that she said. It was like, you spent this whole season showing us nothing but hot garbage fire. And then what is this supposed to be like? a weird self-flagellating apology tour for like women we don't care about i don't i'm so confused actually i think that would have made a really nice title for the women tell all episode <laughs> a self-flagellating apology tour for women we don't care about yeah you know, and for some reason a, cri a, cri a critique of katie oh yeah katie got a lot of heat i don't get that katie and, and you know what? It made me, the whole Katie portion, let's just talk about that. Really yeah. Quick. Katie hot seat. Mm -hmm. Clearly it was an interview for the bachelorette that they, they, they said that they, like there was rumors out, they announced it at the show, which they cut out. So right. I didn't see that, which tells me she's not going to be the bachelorette anymore. But they also spent that whole time with the, with her coming up with talking about being 30 and single. And then the women harassing her for being the one who's toxic by calling out bad behavior in the house. Like, that's not a good story. She doesn't need to have 30 and single and, like, a tattletale as her main thing. Like, we saw what we saw as viewers. We know that Katie is the only level-headed, self-aware person on the cast. Well, yeah, there's a couple others. But, and, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, they really wanted to play up Katie's her singleness first of all at 30 years old which i thought was gross her talking about i'm 30 and single and i'm just you know it's time like like her her clock is a ticking which i understand for some folks that's the reality it's really how they feel and okay but also you're gonna be fine katie uh regardless of whether okay. of whether you find a partner or not and yeah they did take up a lot of space allowing the women to attack Katie or to get words in with her about the way that she went to Matt and the actions that led to her going to Matt were kind of just swept under the rug. Yep. Yep. And they also gave MJ a weird like spotlight to like, why did she talk so much in this whole thing? And, and they acted like that whole thing between Desenia and MJ they acted like there was this whole bit that we didn't see because MJ was like, oh, I apologized. And, you know, I, I squashed that. So it's all good. Like, when did you apologize? We didn't see that. And then she didn't apologize on air. She didn't apologize. She didn't yeah. do that. That was part of her PR campaign on going on the show. You just write your own. You just rewrite reality basically, which is what she did when she told us that she had apologized. If that had been true, they would have shown us the footage of it. But we know that she didn't apologize. And we also, you and I talked about how she was going to respond to this during the Women Tell All, how she was going to respond to all of the backlash and the controversy. And did she not do exactly what we said she was going to do? Yes. She did. Yes, she did. said, my words were misconstrued. 
you all don't understand where I was coming from. When I get uncomfortable, I make jokes and I was just participating in a jovial, joking way. And now I'm being painted as this villain or villainous. Yeah, you all don't know my heart, but I'm being victimized because of this. Mm-hmm. So you know what? I actually see that as a highlight because <laughs> we were right. Yeah, on, we were on point with with how we knew she would of respond to we it. Because these women are like, well, first of all, they're cloud seekers. So there's that. They're cloud seekers. They're fame seekers. They're 23 and 24 years old. They're gross. And they have low self-awareness. And so all the behaviors that we would expect to see from people like that are showing up. And that's why someone like Katie, and obviously there's still women on the show who we like, but women like Katie stand out because she's obviously an empathetic person. Um, she learns from her mistakes. She's gained self-awareness because she's 30 years old. She's gained self-awareness over her throughout her 20s, and now she's like a grown person. Right. And it's very obvious when she's next to a bunch of 23, 24-year-olds. Oh, it is. Especially obvious when Mari was like, well, first of all, you're the one who came hardest at Sarah, and then you're flip-flopping because now you're what? Your best friends were? And her reaction was great because she was like, no, I learned something new, and because of it, I grew. And it's like, that's exactly right, Mari. Your sentiment is not <laughs> right matching the situation. Yeah, Mari called her fake for yep. f- quote-unquote flip-flopping. Um, yeah, I mean, there there is a big age difference between Mari and Katie's and the MJ's. And 23 and 22 is just kind of a gross age, honestly. Yes, you think yes. you're grown, think you know what you're doing, but if somebody would have had a camera on me, follow me around at that age, I would sound, I wouldn't like how I sounded either. So uh, maybe that just means that we're getting older, that we, you know, that we no longer see that as entertaining as we might have in the past. But yeah, the way that they just gave so much space to the attack of Katie was just very confusing. Yeah. And when they did the Britney hot seat too, I'm like, I'm glad that, Oh, you know what? Let me back up one second. Okay. I want to finish the thing about Katie. Yeah. Were you not surprised when Chelsea weighed in? I was like Chelsea basically said, well, if nothing was toxic until you said it was toxic. I, I was. was. Like, oh, no. I know. Chelsea, you're a child and we didn't, we liked you. But I guess Chelsea's, she showed right there her allegiance to MJ. You know, because I guess Chelsea yeah. and MJ are friends and she was kind of standing up for her. It, it was disappointing for sure. That's not how toxicity yeah. works. It's not only toxic because we've labeled it as such. Right. It's not only harmful because we've labeled it as such, but again, young, just talking, just young people talking. Yeah. Even Piper, she weighed in in that same way where she's like, um, you know, did it, did it really help to talk to Matt? And it's like, Piper, stay out of this. You have a good reputation amongst your viewers, and so you want to keep it that way. And yeah, actually, Piper, it did, because after he addressed it, a lot of the bullying dissipated. Mm-hmm. So Because they felt like, oh, no, 
Daddy is angry. <laughs> yeah, and it's your fault. <laughs> me, you <laughs> um, so can we get to the Britney hot seat? Britney talks about her. T I'm glad she got an opportunity to speak. Yes. But I just felt like hmm. the all the attentions on Anna, right? Yes. Anna should have apologized for that. Anna said some stupid stuff in this this scenario, like. She said Chicago is a small town, which makes no sense. It's the third largest city in the U.S. Why on earth did those words leave her mouth? I really don't understand. I don't. I think she must have meant like hot girl Chicago is a small town. I, I was, I spent a good amount of time trying to wrap my head around that statement. <laughs> Me too. It's like, ah, you know, New York's a small town. Everybody knows everybody's business. <laughs> what? It's like, is, aren't those places you go so you can disappear. So, so that you can escape small town yeah. life? Yes, right. So she said that. But and she but she did say some other things that I was like, okay, that's at least some level of self-awareness. Like she said, I did it because I was insecure. Yeah. I was really insecure and so I did that behavior. She didn't justify it by saying, Well, Brittany was mean to me or whatever. She didn't blame the other women. But, but. all the other women mm -hmm. and the show blamed her. Blamed so Anna. They all, yeah, I mean, Victoria was like, well, why'd you say that, Anna? And it's like, we, we remember, we remember Victoria being part of that conversation. Yes. We remember the girls that weighed in on that. You can't escape that just because now you're trying to blame Anna. She brought it up, but you all goaded her on to get that information out there. Oh, yeah, because, you know, if she would have, if she, had Anna had no support for that statement, it would have died. But the other women picked it up and started to spread the rumor and just kept that fire fueled right. so that the rumor actually carried weight. And then why did they pick it up? Because the producers were in their ears saying, you need to pick this up. Right. Like, oh, did you hear about this? Did you get, did you talk to Anna about this? And then I'm sure they were right in Anna's ear saying, yo, dude, like, shouldn't you bring that up? And so I just feel like it's so... So transparent for the show to be like, well, Anna's naughty and she's going to apologize when it's like, you guys set us up for this huge, this, this big rumor about Britney that wasn't real. We found out it wasn't real on the show. And now it consistently, now Britney's saying, you know, it's hurt her life and damaged her reputation. Well, who actually did that? Yeah. Who actually is fully responsible for that? Everybody's complicit. Yep. Everybody. But there were some highlights um, with the Britney interview that I'd like to what? speak on. Um, I think she did a good job with her space and her time on the hot seat. And, you know, she talked about how the rumors had impacted her life. And it, I don't know if you noticed, um, before she took the hot seat, Chris Harrison made a statement about the Britney situation that was some something along the lines of this terrible rumor was started about Britney. And this is just a it's a terrible thing. Yeah. I, I, I guess he was. Um, he was implying that sex work is. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And so Brittany, with her time in the hot seat, um, you know, she talked about her and she talked to Anna and she said, you know, this nobody really deserves what I've been through. Which, you know, you're on The Bachelor. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I mean, life choices. Right. But I no, know, right? but but still, you know. 
She doesn't deserve all the hate that's being thrown her way. Um, but I just love the way that at the end she was like, hey, everybody deserves love. I don't care what your occupation is. Nobody's life is worth more or less based on their job. And she ended it with a supportive statement for sex workers and folks that are in, you know, escort industries. And I was like, that is such a powerful, um, important note to end all of this on. And a good use of her time. It really was. And so it said a lot about her character. It does. It really does. So I was like, go ahead, Brittany, you know, like, thank you for taking two sentences to make, to make that clear. Yeah. Yes. You know, too bad that she wasn't an escort because I think she could have really improved her business and charged more as a result of being on The Bachelor. <laughs> Don't you think? Definitely. Absolutely. She be charging a premium. I mean, man, all the free publicity. Well, right. You're like, oh, you want to, you want me to take, you want to take me on a fancy date? I'm kind of famous. So, cost more. I'd like to um, suggest that you watch me on Hulu. You know? <laughs> I was featured on The Bachelor. No, for real. Definitely. So I, I, I liked that. I liked what she did with her time on the hot seat. Yes. Um, uh, so, so. The, uh, yeah, I like that about Brittany. I did walk away thinking Brittany did a good job. After that, the rest of the episode, I, I really had a hard time paying attention. Mm-hmm. Same. A couple of things I was thinking about. One is that um, Abigail... I really liked she talked about her kind of in-between space in the deaf community. And I think she did a really good job yeah. in a cool way of explaining to us that that dichotomy exists. Because I think as, you know, if you're a hearing person, you're in the hearing community, you don't really think of the deaf community as anything more than a monolith, right? You're like, oh, deaf people. But of course, there's people that are deaf and use sign language and there's people that are deaf and do not. So... Uh, and there's certainly, I'm sure, a divide between them or right. things like culturally that are different. So that was cool that she brought that up and said uh, her reservations and that she'd received a lot of like support since then. That was very cool. And it was it, it was a really like a, a, a demonstration of why it's important to have different types of people on the yeah. show. Yeah. Not just to use them as props. Definitely. Like, like we both feel like Matt did for Abigail, but to actually show us what different communities look like mm -hmm. so that people can be exposed to more than just the people that they live with. Yeah. I appreciated that too. I thought that, um, you know, the way that she used her time to, again, explain to us that not all deafness is equal. And she spoke about being partially deaf. You know, there's folks that are partially deaf and folks that use cochlear implants and folks that don't and folks that are, you know, fully deaf, you know, I might not be using the right terminology. I think she yeah. said deaf with a capital D and deaf yeah. with a lowercase D. Yeah. yeah. So that, that I learned that I learned that last night from her talk. So yes, that was definitely productive. And that was uh, one of the few highlights of this episode. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, we saw Piper's hot seat, Katie's hot seat, Serena's hot seat. Uh, I don't know. I thought Serena C was pretty pathetic. Yeah, it was hard to pay attention at that point. When she was like... I thought so too, Serena P, you mean? Uh-oh. 
Uh-oh. Yeah, Serena P, the one that walked away. No, Serena C. Serena C was pathetic because... Oh, Serena C with the weird blue blue dress that was like holding... It looked like two hands holding her boobs. Yes, because she said when Matt came out, you know, Matt, I just really hope that you don't see us all in a bad light after watching the show. Oh. And it was... She just and it was, it was so... The statement just was dripping of desperation. Yes. Please still love me. Please still pick me. Um, I just thought, well, how very Serena C of you. Oh, yeah. 100%. To be like, you, I mean, you know it wasn't my fault, that behavior, right? Right. <laughs> they only showed the bad stuff. Well, if that's the case, then why was there so much bad stuff of you? Why does it matter at this point what he thinks of you? No, who cares? He's your ex-boyfriend. <laughs> I love it when we call them boyfriends and girlfriends. Yeah, I know. It's so silly. But he's your ex. Like, you're not going to date him, so... So that was... Let it go. That was pretty funny. But uh, as far as Serena's P goes, I was waiting that entire time for Chris to ask her if she regretted her decision. Yeah. I was just like, he's going to ask her if she had a change of heart in three, two one and I actually I don't know if he actually got there because she talked for a good amount of time about her family and you know how much they influenced her influenced her choice to leave but um I do think at the end he might have thrown something in there about you know how do you feel about your choice now or I don't know maybe I'm just making that up did you hear that that him saying does she regret it yeah that was like the first thing he said oh okay then I missed that yeah, it was like the first thing he said. It was like, do you, you know, do you feel like you made the right choice? Uh, why? It's just, she definitely made the right choice. It's just like, it, it's just so unfathom, unfathomable, right? That, that somebody would leave a man. And then not look back. And, and not just crazy. any man. Matt James, the first black bachelor. Yeah. So the the Matt James from the internet, that guy. <laughs> Matt James of TikTok and Instagram. Well, you know, Matt James of at Matt James nine one nine. You don't know him. So yeah, I um. Well, nothing else about that. This is uh, Matt came out with struggling. Uh, okay, I I guess. I mean, honestly, it was oiled well. Yeah, it was oiled well. I don't care about Matt James's beard. There, <laughs> there, I, I said it. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Uh, then we saw some bloopers again, just to highlight the fact that we could have seen more fun stuff on this show, but they only showed us the dumb stuff. So thanks, Bachelor, for nothing. Yeah, and let's just keep in mind that it's not coincidental that this season was a complete dumpster fire. No. I mean, it's it's not, you know, the most high caliber reality show, but it's almost like they just threw all caution to the wind this time around. Yep, they just wanted to make it a drama fest because they couldn't find a way to tell a black man's story outside of that, outside of the horrible white women that surround him. <laughs> Right. Um, and on that note, on that note, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the other things going on in Bachelor Nation. So stay tuned.
And we're back. So let's talk about all this garbage going on in Bastard Nation. Let's talk about it. How outrageous that they didn't acknowledge this last night. All right, so I want to talk first about the person who is going to be doing the after the final rose. So obviously Chris Harrison said he's going to step away from mm -hmm. the franchise. We don't know for how long. Mm -hmm. Obviously he's still an executive producer, so it doesn't really mean anything. But they hired Emmanuel H.O. to fill in for him. Okay. For the after the final rose. So he's a former NFL linebacker and Fox Sports analyst. All right. If you look at the picture of him, you might recognize him. Um, I feel like I've seen him on Fox. He, he has a familiar face. Yeah. So if you don't know who he is, he, like, like I said, he's a former NFL linebacker. He's also a black man. He also, um, I want to say, I heard about him doing something called, like, he might have written a book. Oh, he wrote a book. Okay. Uncomfortable conversations with the black man. Okay. A book that answers all the racial questions you've been afraid to ask. Mm. That's, how it's, that's how it's listed. All right. So not only is he somebody who is like a TV personality, he's also somebody who has written about um, conversations about race. So that's who they've decided to put on the show for the after the final rose. So we're going to see him in two weeks. Okay. What are your initial reactions to finding that? I'm tired, Hannah. <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, I feel as if that is a choice that they are making, again, to show their commitment to um, racial equity. They're, you know, that's a choice that they've made. And I think a lot of these gestures are symbolic in a lot of ways, even though it seems more than symbolic because he's, they actually took a black person and they're actually, you know, giving, carving out the space for him to host the show. It's just another iteration of what we talked about last week in terms of representation and like, and, and the limits of it. And the fact that doing these making these moves where we're putting black faces and black bodies and, and bodies of color in these different positions doesn't really do what we want to believe that it does. It appeases the moment that we're in. It appeases folks' angst to see the way that ABC is moving differently. So, so people can take a deep breath and say, Oh, thank God. You know, they're, they're doing the work. Um, I'm not particularly impressed, to be honest. I want to know what you think about it. I, yeah, I, uh, what I think is interesting is that on Rachel Lindsay's podcast, Higher Learning, mm -hmm. she suggested mm -hmm. that they use him okay. as the host. And they, they, took that, they either took that suggestion or they were already planning on doing that. Yeah. But... So that makes me think, okay, well, she's got faith in him, and I'm just, like, fully a Rachel Lindsay stand at this point. Yes. I, I like everything she stands for, and also just, like, she's been very outspoken about her experience and just been right. so transparent with everybody. Right. She's putting herself at risk. Like, she's going to lose a contract. She's not going to re-sign with The Bachelor, is what she's saying so far. Yikes. Obviously, unless something changes. So she's not going to re-sign her contract with them to still work in the Bachelor Nation. So she's really putting like 
her money where her mouth is. Like she's saying, I can't do this anymore. I can't be their puppet anymore. Yeah. So I, I trust her opinion on who would be best in the spot. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it's if nothing else is different, then yeah. why would that change? Right. Something? They use Matt as a prop. Why wouldn't they use him at, like, yeah. Daniel as a prop? Yeah. And I don't want you or anybody to get me wrong, even though it'll happen. I'm not saying that this has zero value that moves like this have zero value you know maybe this is a opportunity that emmanuel tummy acho he's really looking forward to you know maybe this is a great career move for him um i'm not speaking against the value of um you know leveling out the playing field. I wish I had a better term um, for, for opportunities for folks to, you know, do different jobs. Does that make sense? Or, tur or turning over the mic in this case. Okay, yes, yes, right? But what you won't get out of me is satisfaction. Mm -hmm. I'm not satisfied with this move. I, and I also, again, know that these moves are, are insufficient in actually moving the needle as far as how we treat black folks in this country. What does, what, does this, what does this step, putting Emmanuel Acho in this position, do to ensure that not another black person is strangled to death on the street by a police officer? What does it do to ensure that black mothers aren't dying disproportionately during childbirth in this country? Right. Do you know what I mean? So, so that I, I have a really hard time being pleased. Right. It's not like, oh, finally, someone's taking the action step that needs to be taken. Exactly. And not only that, but I think it's also from what I've seen on Instagram being viewed as and this happens a lot. You see white people saying this where it's like, um, well, he only got the job because mm, mm -hmm. like, well, he, you know, let's put let's bring Chris Harrison back because he said he was sorry and he's playing nice. And you're only replacing him with this guy because this guy's black. And you know what I want to say to those people? Say what, Hannah? Ask me what I want to say to them. What do you want to say to those people? <laughs> I want to say, bruh, you're late. You're late, bruh. Like, white people talking about affirmative action being, you know, a way to undercut the capabilities of white folks while overstating the abilities of black folks and other folks of color is an old argument. I'm bored with it. Me too. And you know what? Also, if they're, if they're going to say, well, he's only got the job because he's black, you know what I want to say? What? Tell me, Hannah. And? 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 So what? And so, so if that's the only reason they the, hired him, so what? Because there are plenty of people out there who've only gotten hired because they're white. Alexa, play "So What" by Pink. It might not be. It might not necessarily be the right context, but well, we get idea. We get it. Yes. So and so what? So yeah. If somebody gets an opportunity because they're not white explicitly because they're not white great maybe they'll experience privilege for once yes and okay. yes i'm with you so the f what um listeners i don't know if you
you can hear Pink playing in the background, but she's sure. My bad. I actually didn't mean to turn on my Alexa. Hold on. Alexa, pause. The first thing is, I think anyone listening to this podcast without headphones in probably also just got their Alexa to say something. You know? You're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, um, so what? So what? And also, he's got a lot of experience on TV. Yeah. We'll just see. We'll just see what happens. Exactly. I'm also curious, what does the contract look like? Mm -hmm. What are they going to edit out? What are they going to allow him to say? I will be very curious. And how long before he gets the hook and and, and Chris Chris Harrison enters stage left once again? One thing that is, is, I think, is probably really good about this um, in terms of who they picked is that he's got experience in the world of sports. But, right. And he's a black man in the world of, of, of football and, and sports comments. That's right. So he is practiced at knowing where the line is. Yes. And how far he can push. It's like it's, this is actually a part of his profession. So right. why are we... I just mean even relating to um, how much he can get out on ABC. Yeah. Like, it's not like they just hired uh, someone who's a, a scholar in like black history to come and talk to I got you. Mm-hmm. They hired somebody who's literal professionist to toe the line and to push when he can push and know when it's the right time. Absolutely. So they'll do a good job of navigating this conversation in the context. And I think it'll be a huge relief to watch Matt James talk to another black man. Mm-hmm. It, it will. It'll be interesting to see how that interaction plays out. Yeah. Just to even, oh God. So, okay, he's been almost exclusively talking to Chris Harrison or women. And they, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, so that's that's the first question I want to ask you. The second one's about about uh, Rachel, Lindsay, and the whole what's happening online with her. So basically, Rachel, you know, we talked about this before. Rachel did an E interview where she talked about talked to Chris Harrison. He pretty much said all of his thoughts without her doing any of the work to push it. That's right. She just asked him a question, and he said what he said. And as a result of that, Rachel Lindsay's getting tons and tons of hate, lots of hate messages, and she's gone off social media as a result. Mm. The Bachelor put out a statement, Bachelor ABC put out a statement saying, from the executive producers saying, stop hating on Rachel Lindsay. Mm -hmm. I saw that. What was your take on the the statement itself? Can Can I ask you what your take was first? I was like, first of all, it's a little late. That's the secondly, that's the bare minimum. Yeah. Again, we've been talking about this, like bare, bare, absolute bare minimum. Right. And third, like, it reminds me of when the principal comes into your room when you're a classroom teacher Mm -hmm. and the principal yells at the kids to stop being bad. Like, don't be bad to Miss W. Yeah. It's like, okay, first of all, (laughs) is that actually going to make a difference or is this just going to be a new thread where people harass Rachel Lindsay vicariously through this thread? Well, it's a Band-Aid. I mean, in your, ex- in your example with the principal, the principal comes in, undermines your pull with the class, undermines the relationships that you have with them and says, you need to act this way because I'm a higher authority figure. And, but that does nothing to really get at the root of whatever the issue is that you're experiencing with your students. Um, yeah, I asked you what you thought first because I looked at the post and I looked at one comment. <laughs> I can't read the comments. I am no. again tired. Um and but I did 
focus on one comment in particular that I feel kind of encompassed probably the rest of the outrage. And that was a comment about how the show is getting quote unquote too political Mm -hmm. and how that person was, you know, no longer interested because the show is too political. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that statement about things being too political. So too political is code for um, decentering whiteness, right? Because when, when, when white folks use that term, this is too political, um, you know, what they're talking about is it's no longer centering of my values or of my beliefs or of my sense of self. Um, I, I, I think white folks, it, you, I want to hear your perspective on this. Okay? okay. But I think white folks live, a lot of white folks live in this world where they believe there's this binary between something being political and something being apolitical. And you're either over here or you're over here. Okay. Black people don't get that. That's a luxury to even believe you live in that world. It's not, it doesn't even exist. It's not a real thing. When I hear a white person say, this is too political, or I don't want to participate in this because I don't want to be too political. You have stated your politics more clearly than I could ever ask you to probably more clearly than you could articulate it if I asked you to. So that idea of something being too political, it's, um, it's just another way to try to marginalize or to decenter anything that makes white folks feel on the spot, fragile, unsafe, and or uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. I, and you, and I think you even said, like you even said it in a, in a nicer way of saying like, oh, we, we believe these things exist, but the reality is we, uh, like as white people, you can easily compartmentalize your experience. So I almost messed it up like Brittany did last night. Compartmentalize your experience into things in your life that you do for entertainment, mm-hmm. things that you do for politics, things that you, friends that you have that are able, you know what I mean? Like you can do all those things, all that negotiating all the time. I do. To pretend that you're, you know, to pretend that that's a possibility. That's right. Where That, that you can separate yourself from politics because white people have the privilege to do that. That's I can right. walk around being separated from politics if I want to. That's right. If I were to kind of like, just, I'm assuming, okay, maybe there's a listener out there who's like, I don't believe that. I, I do think there's a possibility that you can be apolitical. I want you to put yourself, you know, if you're a white woman, mm-hmm. okay, I want you to think about like, when you wear an outfit that is highly revealing. Okay. It is, let's say it's like showing your belly and it's showing, it's showing your legs, it's showing your arms. It's like, a little cheek. Like, cleavage that inherently you know when you're walking out of the house that there are politics connected to your outfit and i don't mean who you vote for politics Mm -hmm. i mean your body is now politicized and people are making judgments about your body because of what you chose to wear and even the fact that you have to think about am i okay leaving the house in this outfit means that your body is politicized that's right a white woman's body is also politicized but we have privilege to remove politics in other areas because we're also white. Yes. Now picture yourself being in a black body. Yeah. You don't get to take that outfit off. Right. You don't get to make a choice 
your your skin is politicized without your yes per, without your permission without your consent yes thank you for you no obviously i'm not dumbing this down for you jay at all but no no I, I just wanted to say it because i think people mix up what the word politics means in this world. thank you i was just gonna say thank you for using the word politicized um because it is politicized it is what is read what your body is read as or what is written onto your body right what interpretations am i making about you based on your body and black folk again are not afforded that separation look at me i i got dreads i've had a fro in my lifetime um you know our hair is read politically our diction is read politically you know the way that we speak, um, if we speak like folks deem to be urban or hood, or we speak in a way that's palatable to white folks and white communities, you know, our, our bodies are read politically and the ways that, that our bodies are read or politicized, um, using the word that you use can and does cost black folks their lives. And so that's why it's so frustrating to hear, um, you know, white folks talking about, well, X, X show is getting too political or this space is getting too political. It's like, wow, it must be nice. Must be nice. You know? Because nice. yep. when I walk yes, into a room, nice. I am a political statement. Yes. Yep. I, I obviously haven't experienced that. And I can, I, but I know it exists. Yeah. And... I feel frustrated when I read those things because I know I know that like that that's how it it's looking and how that's how the experience is for a white person. Like I can turn it off and on how I want to. I can one second be on my phone giving money to a mutual aid to try to support uh, someone in my community who's who needs uh, a home for the night, and then in the next second I turn my phone off and now I'm in my home. Yeah. And I'm watching The Bachelor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's very easy for me to do that. Um, and it takes a lot of thought and practice to remember that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And so, the same thing kind of goes along with the, what people are saying in those comments about like, well, Chris Harrison said he was sorry. Now bring him back. I saw one of those too. It's like, okay, y'all, I saw one that said, y'all are so ready to support Rachel. Well, where's the support for Chris? Well, where's the support for Rachel K? Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of when I just turned turn the volume down yeah. on reading the com- it's never good to read the comments no it's a good litmus test to see where people are at in the bachelor nation yeah and you know it's what we would expect from bachelor nation no offense bachelor nation but this is exactly yeah yep. i'm here hannah w's here but this is the response <laughs> that i would expect from something like this so yeah I really don't know what, what do you, what would you like want to see for Rachel? I just, I want to see Rachel Lindsay, you know, if she really is going to end her contract with the bachelor. The first thing I thought when you said that was like, she'll have plenty more opportunities. There's other things that are, there are great things that are going to come her way. She has great skill sets. You know, she's, you said she, I don't listen to her podcast, but I've, you know, watched some of her interviews. She's great in that, um, interpersonal sphere. Yes. Right. And so there's a lot she's of an attorney. She's an attorney. That's, that's right. That's right. She's, she can speak. She's literally a professional talker. So 
the way she talks is like, wow, how did you think of that so quickly? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, like, I know that Rachel Lindsay can manifest what she wants to have out of this life, what she wants to have out of her profession. And I'm happy that if she does choose to sever ties with The Bachelor, that makes me happy that she's doing that um, because, you know, it's a move to protect herself and to move in a direction that's healthier and more supportive and uplifting, you know? Because the word, the word's floating around that she was offered Chris Harrison's job. And so my first, my gut reaction to that is that if she does that, if she takes the role of host, that's like, it's good for the franchise. Yeah. But it seems like it's could be very bad for her because mm. it could be very hard to be in that position coming into it like this where they're like well they just replaced Chris Harrison with Rachel Lindsay because she got to him because she attacked him because you know is that does, is that does she deserve that like no I think she deserves better I don't know I would support her if that's what she chooses obviously that's going to be a great change of pace but I just feel like uh... I mean can you imagine the backlash she thinks she's getting a lot of heat now but she removes abc's darling chris harrison and replaces him with a black outspoken black woman that's the one who quote unquote took him down right like of course she's factoring all of that into her decision and now that you you explain it in that way i couldn't imagine her doing anything else but severing ties with The Bachelor and moving in a different direction. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be too much heat. Yeah, I know. Kind of heat will make a person sick. I know. And I just <laughs> she's got other things going on. You should listen to her podcast. I should. Higher Learning. It's really good with Van Lathan. Okay. Van Lathan is like a former TMZ. Mm, okay. And I don't know. He's, he's interesting. I'll check it out. What do they talk about? Um, they talk about a lot of things, a lot of, a wide range of topics. But okay. through the lens of like blackness and pop culture. Cool. I'll and check it out. They both are like, you know, involved in media in different ways. So I think they have good perspectives on stuff. Also, they're funny. Anyway, <laughs> so let's talk last thing about, I want to talk about Taylor Nolan's comments. I'd like to as um, well. So Taylor Nolan has recently come under fire because she wrote some tweets back between 2010 and 2013, I think, in over a three-year period that recently resurfaced. Taylor is, she was on um, Ari's season? No, couldn't have been Ari's season. Colton's season? This is your job and, to do this. Yes, I think it was Colton's season. Okay. She she was, oh God, was it Colton's season? Hmm. And then she was on Paradise. Um, and on Paradise, she ended up, oh my God, I can't even remember her history anymore. That, this is bad. No, it's not, you're okay. Um, I remember her from Paradise. She did get engaged, and that I don't remember who it was, but was it, it Derek. It didn't. It didn't work out. Was it Derek? No, it didn't work out. Was it Derek? Hold on. No, who was it? Wow, this is bad. But I think it was Peth. Derek Peth. I think it was Derek Peth. She yep. was engaged to Derek Peth. Mm-hmm. That is surreal to me. They left the show engaged, and then Derek Peth came back another season later. That's right. He came back the next season. Yeah, so she's 23. She was, uh, she was 
on the show, she was uh, her Chiron was that she was a, um, a therapist or something. I love how you. I love how you use the word Chiron. <laughs> Isn't that what it's called? It's very sexy. Um, oh, thank you. Oh, I'm I'm not there yet. Well, I'm gonna start. Okay. I'm gonna start working that in. Thank you for that. So her title was um, was psychologist. I don't think she actually was. I think she was in psych school. But okay. Either way, she's acted as sort of a a couple things. She's been um, a very outspoken advocate for BIPOC on the show mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. She's been a very critical of the show generally, and she talks a lot about like she sort of does some arm, armchair psychology mm -hmm. on the show. She's a big Twitter pr presence. For some reason, she's not verified, which I think is suspicious. Mm. But somebody went back and found her old tweets, and they were fatphobic. As Twitter were, does. Yeah, transphobic. They were anti-Asian. They were anti-Black. There was some bad stuff on there. Also, we know about Taylor that she is mixed. Yeah. She's biracial. Yeah. Um, she has a white parent and a Black parent. Right. That is what I know about her. Yes. She apologized and then deleted her apology. Oh, she deleted it. She did. Huh. And I think the video. I think the video is new, and I haven't seen the video. Oh, because I was gonna say I watched the video. It, it was okay, so it was still up. Yeah, I saw the video is quite long. It's thirty minutes, and so I only watched the truncated version that was on um, whatever website that you shared with me. But she did talk about how she has she took uh, responsibility for the statements that she had made, um, and she said that. She didn't delete them purposefully, purposefully because she she doesn't believe in erasing that part of her her growth process. She wants folks to be able to see where she's come from and what she's moving toward. Um, some other quotes that I pulled out were, you know, the, her justification for making the statements that she made in the tweets. And this is a quote. She said, I hated the blackness that was in me. Um, because of the racism that I experienced. And she talked about, um, you know, wanting to align herself with whiteness as much as possible. So, you know, I guess the, the one of the things that she said that really stuck out to me was that she, she took a lot of time to distance herself or to show how she was different than the other women and Chris Harrison, the other folks that are under fire right now for racist tweets and comments and actions. And she said, you know, I'm not like that. I'm not like them because I'm actively doing the work. I'm not just, um, releasing this apology letter. Like my, ever since I put out those tweets, you know, whenever she came around and realized that, you know, she didn't want to be that person ever since then, she has been actively working toward, um, you know, becoming a more self-aware person who is supportive of black communities and, um, you know, other marginalized folk. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I guess my first take on that is, and I don't, I, I have to be honest, Hannah. I'm listening. I don't care. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, and I, but I, I don't care to drag Taylor Nolan about these comments. I, I think that we have, we spent so much time focusing on these little ins. And I mean, we as a people, not you and I, 
We spend so much time focusing on these little instances and identifying that was racist, that was sexist, that was homophobic, that was transphobic. And we spend so much time reading the comments and sharing with our friends and sitting together and rehashing these, these situations that we get very distracted from undertaking more substantial and impactful projects. Do you know what I mean? I agree. I agree. I have a I have a question about that I'll follow up with. Okay, tell me. Okay, I'll ask you this question now. This so this I don't disagree with what you're saying. Okay. I think um it's suspicious that Taylor is also a woman of color and she's getting slandered for the stuff uh that they're trying to pin her down for this yeah as what retribution for chris harrison leaving the show i'm not sure you don't have to say suspicious you can just say yeah. okay it's racist yeah um there's a lot of white people in the community in the ambassador nation white former contestants who are distancing themselves from her hmm. and i think it would have been useful for them to wait for her to make a statement or to say on their platform I am, I would like to hear a statement from Taylor Nolan regarding her former tweets. Right. I, you know, something yeah. like, I think that this, I think dragging her is unnecessary, but they did. They said, I'm disgusted. I find it to be vile. You know, it's like you don't get to become more anti-racist by pushing yourself away from people who are getting tread on yeah. for racist behavior. That's just not how it works. Yeah. It's important to call people out and call people in. Right. They're your friends. You call them in and you have that conversation. That's right. Them, they're Chris Harrison. You say you call them out and you have them publicly talk about their behavior. It's important to do. And also, mm -hmm. it's important to recognize why this is happening now. Yes. And who it's happening to. Thank you. And that nuance can live in your Twitter if you say it and allow it to live. And by pushing yourself away from Taylor, you don't automatically become more anti-racist. In fact, talking to Taylor directly and helping her work through these things and become a better person is how you, as a real friend, would actually help somebody become more mm. anti-racist. Mm. Okay? Yes. You can't just cancel them out of your life forever. That's not how it works. If it's your cousin and they're so irredeemable and you've done what you can and they, you know, they, I'm just thinking about my actual cousin. Um, <laughs> And they are not going to change and they're damaging the, the, the people in your life because mm -hmm. of their behaviors. Then you cancel them out. Yeah. Get rid of them and you, you hold your boundaries firm. Mm -hmm. But if they are a friend and you value them, they make a mistake and you just say to them, I'm done with you. Mm -hmm. Then you are not displaying a behavior of somebody who's trying to work towards an anti-racist yeah. world. You are purposely just saying, I'm better than you because I didn't get caught yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what I would add to that. Thank you for saying all of that. All really important to say out loud. Um, I would add that for black folk and other folk of color, and again, you know, folk that have been marginalized in different ways, our trans folk, um, black trans folk, black women, um, you can absolutely separate yourself from somebody who displays behaviors like Taylor Nolan. Do you know what I mean? You can cut them off. You can say, no, this doesn't work for me. I think the situation that you're describing is like for white what? People. White people and like, you know, people whose identities are centered in different ways. You know, right? I'm a cis black woman. Right. 
So I have cis privilege. And so part of my responsibility as someone with cis privilege is to make sure that I am calling out instances of transphobia, homophobia, you know, sexism and whatnot, and making sure that I'm doing that call in and call out work so that my trans brothers and sisters, hopefully, you know, the burden is less lessened for those people. And so, um, I, I agree with what you're saying. And I think that, um, you know, I think a common response then when you tell people, well, the call out really ain't it. Or I think that a common response is white folks saying, okay, well, you saying don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. What am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I'm not I'm not here to answer that question today. No, it's no, you're not. I'm not. And what what I would say is, as a white person, Mm -hmm. is that, you know, someone's like, okay, for example, Olivia, I don't remember her last name, Cordelia, um, she's, she was like a villain on a season past. She's friends with Taylor. She put out a statement that was like, I'm friends with Taylor. I'm shocked and disgusted by these tweets. Okay. So what I'm saying is like, that is allowing yourself the privilege of stepping away. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for her opportunity as a white woman is to say, huh, like, I'm surprised by the things that were tweeted. I think those things are awful. Yeah. She should not have tweeted them. And it's my job and my opportunity to talk to her about these things to help, to like, you know, help offer mm. my friendship so that I can help her learn, do better and get through this. And I'm going to stick with her and make sure that that happens because it does better for all of us. That's right. You as a friend help her. Get That's right. Time. Yeah, absolutely. Like something that happens a lot. And, I'm, and again, I'm bringing it back to um, misogyny because I have a lot of experience working with uh, in the comedy community, mm-hmm. specifically mm-hmm. the comedy community on addressing misogyny and the way that it plays out in violence against women on stage and off. Okay. Okay. Yeah. One thing that I've that we've I've worked really hard on with the group I work with is educating the men in our community that you don't get to walk away from men that are your friends because they've assaulted a woman and you don't get to walk away from responsibility because they are your if this is your BFF and he has a behaviors of like assault, harassment, even just um, all the subtle per- perversions and microaggressions that happen on stage that are really awful and, and degrade women. You don't get to just say, I'm not friends with that dude anymore. He sucks. Because you have the privilege and opportunity to go help fix this situation. If he didn't wrong you directly and you've been BFFs this whole time, you have the responsibility to try to fix this situation because it saves and protects the women that are vulnerable to his behavior. Mm. And it's the same thing here. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially because Taylor's talking about how her whiteness, yeah. you know, forced her to get into these scenarios. Well, Olivia, as her white friend, can see right. whiteness. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great example about the way that misogyny plays out against women in your field. Um, I think that... I'm at the gym, if everyone just noticed. Sometimes there's background noise of barbells dropping. So it's, it's sound, I apologize. It's it, great. I, it, sound, it sounded like a PR to me. <laughs> um, and I think two things... I'm not worried about Taylor and I wish, I don't, 
I almost wish she wouldn't have given in to all of this. And this is specifically because she is a black woman. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. I wish she wouldn't have given in to all of this pressure to do this public apology. And, and not just because she's a black woman, but just because I think she's fine. Like, I don't really care about her as somebody who is con- I'm not concerned about her ability to continue to perpetuate this harm that she did in the past. I really do think that she's one of those people that's actually been working on herself over the past 10 years. Like she seems like that type of person to me. And for those reasons, I think like, just let your life speak, let your life in the way that you walk and move and advance and progress be your answer. Um, don't kind of get, yeah. I also thought, you know, I don't think she needs to re-explore her trauma to apologize. Like, I know what she's saying. Like, it's important for her to talk about how her internalized anti-blackness led to these tweets. But I don't think she has to explore that trauma online for us. Mm. She's not, we don't, she doesn't necessarily owe us that. And, yes. and also it's, it's not like necessarily a good look either. I think that's an opportunity to explore that with your therapist and mm. for us. Like you need to say this, I should have deleted these. I, I did grow from them. And like, you know what, but rereading them, it's like clear how just them existing on the internet is active violence toward those communities. Yeah. Should have deleted them. I'm deleting them now. I don't believe those, I like, I don't believe that sentiment. I know I've grown from this, but yeah. these are the way I'm going to demonstrate that to you. There we so go. Always reigniting that personal trauma in order to explain why you did something hurtful. Exactly. It's the same thing we were talking about with, like, I mean, it's not quite the same as Victoria's fake sob story, but it is like, we don't need to reignite personal trauma to talk about mistakes that you made. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a good look. It's like, the, it's this, the public sphere really isn't the space for that i think in this instance um but i will add that you know i believe that people can change i believe that people do change people grow and it's okay for us to accept that it's okay for us to accept that she is no longer that person that she was nine years ago and you know people might say well what about rachel k like can we accept that she's no longer that person sure if she displays that if she shows us if she demonstrates that she's grown then sure why not i'm all for it um but i think what taylor nolan is pointing out is that the difference between her and these folks that have been recently called out is that what we've gotten from the folks that have recently been called out is a a a very well polished pr statement Mm -hmm. but we don't know anything outside of that statement and for her it's like yeah but you can actually look at who how I've been, who, my profession over the past 10 years, how I've been moving, you know, the thoughts that I'm putting out on Twitter and other platforms. And you can actually see that I'm not thinking or operating in the same ways anymore. So. Right, exactly. Yep. So here's my follow-up question. I want to, I want to ask this because I'm not trying to be, I'm not doing, to play the devil's advocate. I'm not doing that. Okay. But but I want to ask, how do we, so for for our listeners Mm -hmm. who, who, if, when they're getting this conversation with other Bachelor Nation people, and sure, like, don't cancel Taylor over this. And their friends respond and say, right, exactly, don't cancel anybody, don't cancel Chris, don't cancel Rachel Kirkconnell. 
when they're like, because people love to put this label of, well, this is part of cancel culture. We're canceling Taylor. We're canceling, you know, we're canceling everybody. Yeah. How can we give them the fuel to be able to say, this is different for this reason? Mm-hmm. I would just ask folks to switch their focus entirely. Switch your focus from your desire to cancel folks and watch folks be canceled. Um, if that's your investment in anti-racist work, it's not that great of an investment. And we've talked before about, you know, my thoughts. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth or say that, you know, you feel the same way as I do, but I've talked about how I believe that if we really look at the history of, you know, racism in this country and how, you know, racial castes were created, if we, if we actually want to move toward undoing some of that, um, it's going to take, cancel culture isn't it, you know, we're talking about, I'm going to, I'm about to say some scary words. Okay. We're talking about reparations. For black people in this country, we're talking about redistribution of wealth, of property, of resources. Like, it's big SHIT that we're talking about that, that, that would really help to, to move the needle. So our investment in this work or white folks' investment in this work, um, it has to exist and be active outside of cancel culture. And I don't... I, I'll use that term cancel culture. Like, I just don't think that's a good use of folks' time. I agree. I agree. Because it is too simple. It's too, just too simple. It's too simple to just blame it on, just like the producers blamed it on Anna for Britney's uh, being called an escort. When it's really, we know it's the system's fault. The yeah. System set Anna up for failure. If we're blaming exclusively Chris Harrison, and we're Xing him out and saying that the problems will be solved if he's gone. We are missing the bigger picture. Right. Same thing if we just cancel out Rachel Kirkconnell. If, and then on the flip side, if people are just canceling out Rachel Lindsay because they think she pushed too hard. Mm. Then it's like, well, you're canceling the person because you don't like the, the system. Right? So you need to acknowledge the system is what you don't like. That's right. You don't like a system in which somebody like Chris Harrison can have, like, <laughs> incorrect and demonstrably wrong stereotypical thoughts about people. Yeah. And then actively work to put them on or off TV. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yes. That's and I think one of... system that supports him. Yeah. And I don't want to assume that everybody, that all of our listeners or, you know, everybody's invested in anti-racist work. You know, I'm, I'm not going to make that assumption. Um, but I do know that, you know, as somebody who grew up with white folks in white communities, in white schools, I know how scary it can be for white folk to take up actions that are visible and that are more, uh, I, I can only use the word visible, that are more visible than cancel culture or than like pointing different things out on the internet that are marginalizing or violent in different ways. You know what I mean? It's very scary. And so that's why we end up, you know, doing the actions that seem le like less of a risk to us because actually, um, you know, like 
I know folks that had a hard time or haven't straight up white folks that I'm close to that, you know, they wouldn't give up any real estate on their social media even to like make a statement about where they stood. That, that to me is bothersome. And and it's, and it's an unpopular opinion. Like I'm not saying, like when I talk to people about this, not everybody finds it bothersome, but I find it bothersome, especially if you're somebody who says you're committed to doing this work, whatever that might look like for you. Um, if your fear is so great that you can't, uh, give me one second, that you cannot out or share your beliefs with with your social media audience, then I am not very convinced that, you know, you're, you're undertaking uh, anti-racist projects outside mm-hmm. in your real life and your actual interactions with folks. Yeah. I know that was kind of a tangent, but I, no, I guess I, I'm trying I, to... No, it's all part of the same big picture, though. Yeah, it is. It's part of the big picture. It's like, I know, I, I know people care, and I, and I know people want to be part of this effort the cause to just make life better for everybody in this country, at least the people that I hold close, I know believe that and want that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that we fall into this trap of just doing what's so, what's easy and comfortable. And and if we really want this, it's not gonna be easy, it's not gonna be comfortable. It's, it's not. And, yeah. and I think that's why we find it important to talk about this so much on the podcast. Yeah. Because that, well, first of all, because we talked about you can't live, um, you can't live an unpoliticized life as a black person. So Matt James, inherently his season is politicized, right? So we have to talk about these things. With the season. Right. Also because we want to give our listeners an understanding of how they can better talk about the show that they're watching yes. when stuff irritates them. Yeah. Like, because we know stuff bothers you like it bothers us, and it's not always easy to put your finger on what exactly it is that is so bothersome. Yeah. So hopefully we've verbalized some of that to you so that you can verbalize it to the people that you chat with. Yeah. That is that is also how these seeds get planted. Absolutely, 100%. And it seems so, I know, so petty and so silly to be like, put it in this world of the bachelor but we but it doesn't it does nothing the bachelor doesn't exist on its own no it does not so exist in a, a vacuum way in, it's a way in that's right use your way in with your friends it's a way in with your family you can talk about stuff you see on the show that might seem silly and petty and stuff that happens in bachelor nation because it's a microcosm of what's happening in the greater world absolutely it's a great opportunity for you to do it through something you're comfortable talking about which is hopefully this show it's a great springboard yes um, okay, with that, it is time for us to wrap up this episode. I know we could go for longer, but there's going to be so much more to talk about because there's two more weeks left. I think we're probably going to have at least six hours more of the show. Oh, my goodness. We'll have a double episode. We'll see how it goes. But um, listeners, I'd love to hear if you had any hot takes from the uh, Women Tell All besides the ones we shared or just doubling down on the ones we shared. Um, and if you feel like there's anything that you've learned from the pod that you want to know more about mm. from us or for us to talk about, please message us on Instagram at you get a rose. That's the best place to message us. So just do it there. Yeah. We love it. <laughs> we love to hear from you. 
Yeah, and we'll talk to you uh, next week for more from You Get a Rose. I've been your host, Hannah W. And I've been your host, Jay Ike Diggs. Have a good one. Thank you you so much for listening. For more on the show, visit yougetarose.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at yougetarose. You Get a Rose is a podcast from My Talk 1071. Hear more great podcasts on mytalk1071.com.